0: Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. I could have given it to you guys and then explained it a little bit better and quicker, but I wanted the kids to have an opportunity to give also, okay? I think it's one of those things that if we train our children how to live with a spirit of generosity throughout their life, they will grow up being generous. How many of you have known a kid or you were a kid who was very stingy and selfish growing up? I want this, mom. I need that. Me, 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 I, 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 right? The first thing a baby does when they come out of the womb, what do they do? They cry. What do you think they're saying? Mom, I love you. I care about giving. What are they concerned about? Self-preservation, baby, that's all it's about, right? So from the womb, we're very selfish, you know, and I believe that God can really change our hearts in a way that causes us to be generous, okay? So so our focus point is joyful generosity. So today, uh, we're gonna really look more specifically at the tithe. I know that's not a word that you'll probably hardly ever use outside of a church setting. Like nobody says, hey, you know, the tithe the other day, like no, you're gonna talk about the stock market, you're gonna talk about inflation, you're gonna talk about house taxes. We talk about finances all the time, right? So as as I was preparing and I was thinking, you know, one thing that you can do as a pastor or or as a church, you can just not talk about it and hope that finances get better or that our people live prosper, prosperous lives, or that our people have our finances together. But more than likely, if you guys are not taught or you're not equipped and we don't know what the Bible says, it is just like any other principle that is in the word of God. And we shouldn't shy away from talking about finances, but you need to know my motive this morning. I shared it last week also. It is not for me to get filthy rich. Just know that I have I have no my my main interest in talking about finances that each of you independently as a family would be richly blessed to do whatever God puts in your heart to do. Now, as Christians, does he call it, call, ask us to be generous? Absolutely. But there is is there. Should there be a little bit of selfish motive from your side? I think absolutely. It's not for me. So everything that I'm sharing with you this morning, make sure you hear it with an open heart that you would understand that this is God's instruction for you as the people of God. This is not Pastor Noe preaching a message to try to sway you one way or the other, but I want you guys to really... if you've never tithed, if you've never heard about the tithe, I would just encourage you to listen with open ears. If you already might have your mind set on what the tithe is, still open your mind, open your ears and hear what the word of God says. Maybe uh, we don't we are not in alignment with what the tithe is really supposed to be or what it is supposed to do or what it's how it's supposed to be modeled within the church. Okay? So I know that during the, the holiday season, I love giving. You know, I know that. Sometimes it's a courtesy thing to get people gifts, but if I buy gifts, I want my gifts to be intentional. I think about it, I was like, man, this would be really cool. This person would really, really like this. Because there are about a million and a half 99 cent specials that they want you to buy them just so everybody has a gift. I hate doing that. I'd rather just say, man, I don't want to get them anything, you know, because it's just a courtesy gift. It's not a great gift. But I want you guys to know that God is a giver of good gifts. He provides everything we have need of, and he gives us instruction in all things, guys. It's not just the spiritual things, but it's also the financial things, okay? Money is a big deal. Without it, if if all of a sudden none of us had money, we zeroed your bank account, you didn't have anything, we put you on a completely spending freeze, how many of you would freak out immediately? If you don't have cattle, you don't have chickens, I know somebody that does, I'd probably go to their house and say, hey, how's those hens laying lately? But think about it, our sustenance for life is, is, is provided through our finances, right? What we have, you know, if we have money, we can, we can survive, we'll be okay. Um, there are ranchers, there are farmers out there, right? So when we look at the, the, the biblical pattern for giving, I shared this passage a little bit last week, I want to focus on it a little bit more this week, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously... Will also reap generously. Each man should give what he or she has decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves the cheerful giver. I didn't make up those words, those are biblical words. That Father God, He loves a cheerful giver, somebody that desires to give. You know, this morning uh, when we passed out that dollar, it may have been really, really easy for you to give that dollar because did it cost you any work? Did it cost you anything? And you say, well, it was only mine for a very short period. (laughs) You know, I got it when I came in the door and then I gave it in in the offering bucket this morning and, you know, it just, it just, it went right through my hands. So this morning, I want us to focus on the tithe because we have to understand what the tithe is, okay, and what it is supposed to, how it is supposed to be uh, applied, okay? So we got to understand that the tithe is what God has established to support the church, and to provide the resources to accomplish all that he desires to accomplish as the church. Okay, so there's times that we do upgrades. Anybody see an upgrade this Sunday? If this is your first time, we just did a complete stage remodel. We've been putting in new carpet. We do have some stuff, still loose ends, but man, there we, ha- we have been doing a facelift on our church. So God provides resources through the tie to take care of the facilities, but it's even more so to take care of the needs of you and me. If there was a catastrophic need that came up, I believe that you know, the tithe is where you take that, that extra and you're like, man, I can't pay my light bill this week, Pastor Noah. You know, I've been doing everything. I know how we have a benevolence fund that we set up and then we would take care of the need. You know, we look at the, the principles in scripture that talks about giving where people give generously. It says everybody brought, everybody contributed, and there was never a need among them. There was never a need. You say, "Well, what if this? What if this doctor bills really?" There was never a need among them. God provides the provision for the house through the people in the house. Okay, but it, but it requires. You know, I think for it to work healthy, it, you know, it takes a contribution from everybody. Because if everybody brings and everybody contributes, what is actually designated to the Lord, there'll be plenty in the house. Okay. You know, so I'll tell you one thing. My heart, you know, I don't give because I uh, I have to, I give because I want to. You know, my children, they see me give all the time. They ask for offering, you know, and I, you know, I tell the story, I say, Samuel, you know, your daddy wasn't always a Christian, your daddy wasn't always a good guy, even though I'm a pastor now. You know, he sees he sees somewhat the end result of that. You know, I was a rebellious child. I did make stupid sin choices growing up through through uh through my younger age and, and stuff like that. But God polished those things out and you know, God Man, he pursued me with his love. He he led me into a relationship with him, and my life was forever changed. And because God gave me the greatest gift, Jesus Christ, son, the best thing that I can do is give God what his, what is His, willfully, not because I have to, but because I want to. So what we're talking about, we're not talking about a law. We're not talking about a legalistic system. We are talking about a lifestyle, guys. Just like worship. Does God need our worship? He doesn't need it. Does he want it? Absolutely. You know, but we want it out of the right motive. Motive, motive determines everything, okay? So all that we have is God's. We have to see it that way. Luke, Luke 6, 38. I don't know if you guys have heard this passage or not. Most of you, if you've been in the church, have. It says, give, and it will be given to you. That is a sowing and reaping principle. If you give, you will get now, it's, real, it's, real, it's a real dangerous phrase because we can take this principle and we can apply it selfishly and I don't think God blesses it if it's not given in a way that our heart and motives are right. Right? If I have a motive to, if I'm, if I'm full of greed and hatred and, and I'm giving so that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like playing the, the church stock market here, right? I'm giving so that I can get. It's bad motives. It's a corrupt, it's a corrupt way of thinking. I think the ultimate goal is God, I give even if I didn't get anything back. But then how, because the Father God that you are, you always give back. But we have to understand that relationship basis, that we have to understand who God is. But that's how we give, okay? You know, so it says, give and it'll be given to you, and then it goes on to say, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. So what kind of excess does that scripture sound like? It's a lot. You know, it is a it is a it is a lot poured into your lap, right? It says, shaken together, p- good measure, pressed together, shaken. You know, so this wordage, it was used during the times of harvest when they collected the harvest. So, you know, they went around with the baskets and as they, they poured it in, that, you know, so that they would begin to shake it so it would settle down and then they would begin to press it down so that those baskets could hold the full amount. There was no air gaps, there was nothing left. I remember when I was in... Uh, Elementary, we had this project that we had to do, and we had to build a bucket of some sort, and then the teacher would pour popcorn in there, and it was so we could, we could eat our popcorn out. So some guys built these little bitty boats, these little things. Well, I built this big old giant thing that looked like Santa's boot. So when the teacher started pouring, I started shaking it. <laughs> shaking together, baby, press down. I wanted it full. You know, so about when she's kept pouring. I, I said, "Hold on, I shake it and it settled down." And she kept looking at me. She poured a little more. I shook it more, and it kept settling. At some point, she like she said, "Noe, that's enough." I was like, "No, <laughs> you said I can fill it up, whatever we build." I didn't want to get gypped on that deal, but I shook it. I made it settle. I got the most possible out of that, where there was so much in there. Halfway, you know, right at the beginning of the movie, you know how everybody's gone. Guess what? Noe was still doing. I was still eating. Had plenty of popcorn. But we have to to understand that principle that it it is an abundance. You say, man, there's no more room to contain it. So you have to shake it to contain more of the goodness of God poured out in your life. You have to press it because you can't contain it all. You're dropping it all over the place. That's what that passage talks about. But the key to be able to release that is what? You must give. When you give, it will be given to you. If you give nothing, guess what? You're going to be mad at that person over there shaking his basket full of abundance. And you say, well, why didn't I get any of that? Well, what kind of giver have you been? Well, uh, and, you'll, and you justify away. And I'm, I'm encouraging you guys, test your heart this morning. I'm not judging you. One thing I want you guys to know, I do not look at tithing offerings. I guard myself from that. And I don't want to look at one person and say, oh, yeah, that guy, he doesn't give. This one gives. I can't lose him. I don't do that, guys. Now, if there's ever a situation that I need to check the giving records, I have the freedom to do that, but I don't check them, and I don't say, oh, you know, I had had somebody come up and talk to me the other day and said, Pastor, you know, I've really gotten behind on my bills, and I haven't been able to pay them, you know, and, uh, you know, she was just kind of overwhelmed, and I was like, you know, I didn't know that. She's like, you don't look, Pastor, and I said, no, I don't look. I says, all I know is what comes in, what goes out, and make sure that we, you know, the bottom line is taken care of. But one thing I realized that she was overbearing with the debt she owed in her tithes. I said, listen, don't worry about anything of the past, just start fresh right now. So some of you this morning, you may need to start fresh. You may say, well, I've been owing God a long time and I've never given tithes. Start fresh today. I know this morning, each of you had an opportunity to give. Maybe you're a giver in the house, maybe you're not. But let that just be a start of what God wants to do in your heart of generosity. In Jesus' name, it is for your benefit, it's for the benefit of your family it'll cause so much abundance to be flowed into your life that you won't be able to contain it. You know, so how many of you this morning cons- consider stealing to be something that's wrong? How about just stealing just a little bit is that okay? Just in case you know, thou shall not steal is one of the 10 commandments. If I need to preach that teaching also, we'll do it. Exodus 20:15, you shall not steal. Okay, so let's look at this passage from Malachi. Malachi is always used as a basis for giving. It's very uh, pinpointed to the root root issue of what God was was focusing on, what he was talking about. But we look at Malachi 3, 8 through 12. Okay, so we all realize that stealing is wrong, but this passage really hammers what was being stolen or what was being robbed, okay? Starting in verse eight, it says, "'Will a man rob God, yet you rob me.'" So if God were to tell me that, I would start to say, how in the heck can you rob God? Did you leave the door open? Was there something you didn't leave secured? How in the world can God be robbed? That's the first question, but then he just doesn't leave it there. He says, but you ask, how do we rob you? And this is what he replies, in tithes and offerings. Some people don't like this next wordage, but I'm gonna read it just like the Bible says, okay? Verse nine, it says, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring the crops, and the vines of your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So the word you know, brings and gives the connotation you know, that the tithe is God's and that we are just returning what's already His. You guys understand that? If it's not yours, you're stealing it. He would have never said they were being robbed, that they were robbing God unless it was something that was his. But how many of us say, it's okay to keep all of my increase. It's okay, I earned it, I worked for it. But there, you know, there's worldly system and, there, and there's godly systems. There's biblical principles and there's earthly principles. But as Christians, we need to apply the biblical principles, guys. They're in there for our benefit. So if we look at that, you know, um, you know, if the tithe was not his, then there would have been nothing wrong with withholding it. You know, but God in this passage says, you are robbing me by not giving me your tithes and offerings. And as I was reading that, I stopped because notice in this passage, the word says tithes, plural, and offerings, plural. It doesn't say a one-time tithe. It doesn't say just give it once. It was a plural form of the word, tithes with the S and offerings with an S. Okay, And I think that it's one of these principles, that it's something that was an ongoing thing. It wasn't that they just missed one Sunday, and he did, they didn't pay the tithe because of hard times or something happened. They couldn't afford it, and then they called back up next, next month or next week or however it played out. This was a continual habit of stealing and robbing from God. So we have to understand that how the, how the Bible establishes the tithe is that the tithe is God's, the rest is yours. That's the simplest way to put it, that the tithe is always God's, okay? So when we look at this passage, you know, uh, when we give of our tithes and our offerings in a plural form, we have to understand that giving consistently, it fosters an understanding of stewardship. So let me, let me focus on that just for a minute. Stewardship says what? If I spend it all on myself and I don't give anything and I don't ever give a tithe that, and, I don't, and I, maybe I don't believe in the tithe. You know, maybe I do believe in the tithe and I just refuse to give the tithe. That's a whole dangerous area. I would rather you not know about it and just not have an understanding of it rather than know about it, and not do it. That's the hard part about being a pastor. I want to make sure we have an understanding of what the word God says, his established expectation, and then what you do with it is up to you. Now, I don't want you guys to hear me wrong. This church is a giving church. I'm not reprimanding, you're like, man, Pastor, no, I'm tithing, why are you up here yelling at me? I'm not yelling at you. But I want to make sure that us as a whole, that the church, that the body of Christ is informed as far as what God's expectations are to establish the house and what he has established to, to allow us to do whatever he puts in our heart to do, Okay. So before we look at the blessing side, because I know all of us wanna hear the blessed side. Hey, I get blessed, I have an abundance. I want us to focus just for a moment on the word that he used in this passage when we don't give our tithes and we don't give our offerings. It says that you are under a curse. You know, for me, that is a super strong word. You know, I don't know, you know, I just don't ever want that being anywhere, you know, associated with my life, you know, so it's such a strong word. I don't want to be under a curse, you know, and then the question that I know a lot of Christians have, well, can a Christian be cursed? You know, because I was raised, man, you know, weapon, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, you know, all these scriptures that I come up with that say, oh, I am untouchable. Okay, you know, but it says that you will be cursed, you know, the, thing, the other thing that, uh, that concerned me was that it didn't say that it was just the ones that weren't doing it. It says the whole tribe, all of them were affected by a lack of people giving God what was his. So you mean if I tithe and you don't, I can be affected? It happened in this story. But what I think was happening probably, it was across the board. There was no heart to give. There was no understanding of what the expectation was. So can a Christian be cursed? Let's look at Joshua seven and eight real quick. When we look at this this passage, you guys have heard of the sin, sin of Achan, what he kept, what he held back, and the story of Jericho. So they were they were going. They were they were the battle of Jericho. Everybody's heard of the story of the battle of Jericho, right? They marched around, marched around, marched around, and on the se- you know on the seventh day they said shout, and the walls literally fell down. They took o- they 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 ran in and they just defeated this huge army. That's what happened. It was by the power of God that it happened. So you see them go in, but there was a there was a specific instruction given. Okay, it said, it said that, you know, everything, all of the spoils from, from the, the, the victory should be devoted or sacred or set apart to the Lord. None of the spoils should be taken. So let me tell you what, when God says that something is sacred, don't let it be found in your possession. It is set apart. It is for God only. Okay, so we see in this story, you know, Joshua 7, that... Um, You know, there were were things that were to be devoted, that were to be uh, sacred to the Lord. You know, uh, holy, the word holy set apart. Um, Let's look at that passage just a little bit of there. So when we start in that verse seven, right at verse one, it says, but the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things, things that were devoted to be uh, consecrated to the Lord, we go, if we look at verse 7-11, it says, Israel had sinned, they had violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They had taken some of the devoted things, they had stolen, they had lied, they had put them in, in within their own possessions. You guys realize in this story, there were three men that did it. It wasn't Joshua, it wasn't the whole tribe, it wasn't all of them. But yet there was just a few of them that withheld. I think it was a robe, there was some silver, and there was a little wedge of gold. Now some of us be like, all of these spoils, all of the things that were brought, they just kept that? Why is that such a big deal? Because God said it to be set apart. He said, do not touch it, do not keep it, all of that is to be taken into my treasury. The treasury at the time was the temple, the temple slash the church, bringing what is his into his house. So all of these words, we can kind of use them interchangeably, but it says, you know, don't allow them. So then the next next battle they go on to, they go and they evaluate it. They said, oh, just send a couple thousand men. We just defeated Jericho and man, we utterly destroyed them. It won't be a big deal. The next battle, they lost miserably and were running back. And it says that Joshua and his men, they tore their robes, they wept. They said, what happened? but because they kept things that were devoted, they were under a curse. Does that mean that God had forsaken them, that God didn't love them, that God didn't care about them? No, but it de- directly affected their life. Does that mean that they could restore order and they could ensure victory in the future? Absolutely. But that one sin of not giving God what he declared as his affected their life drastically and lives were lost over it. Now, is it that big a deal where you guys are going to like, we're going to have casualties? Physically, no. No. Financially, yes. When I talk about finances or I talk about the tithe, it's giving God what is His. So when things are devoted, when things are sacred to the Lord, when they are holy, when they're set apart, make sure they're in God's house and they're not within your possession because it can affect you and it can affect us. Now, some of you guys, you know, you you might say, you know what, that was the Old Testament. I'm not under the Old Testament. You know, there's a story about Melchizedek and Abram. And it says that, you know, uh, this was a king and it says Abraham gave him a tenth. Everything he had, he gave it. He gave him a tithe. So this was this was a tithe that was given before uh, the law was established. This was given before the the, the Mosaic law was established, because under the Mosaic law, you were required to tithe. It was not an option. It was the law. So where we live at today, we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace, but what a lot of people want to do is what was under the law, we totally discard, and we don't want to live under any of that under grace, because I'm free to give, I'm free to do what I want, because I'm not under the law, so you throw it all away. So I want to make sure this morning that we don't, you know, stuff that was uh, acceptable through the law isn't now unacceptable through grace, it's just changed a little bit, okay? Okay? So that Genesis 14, 18 through 20, if you want to notate that, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time looking at it, but that is where Abram gave the 10th to Melchizedek. That was, that was before the law was established. You know, so we got to understand, you know, that this principle of him giving a tithe, did he give it more than once? I don't know, but it says that he gave a tithe. So a tithe was always the a representation of 10% of whatever you have, Okay. That's, that's how it that's how it is always established, 10% of all your increase. You know, so we have to understand that something that is right under the law, is it now wrong under grace? Because we gave during the law, do we not give it under grace? You know, so when we look at Scripture under the law, tithing was definitely the right thing to do. But is it now the wrong thing to do under grace? Some people are going to tell you, absolutely, you shouldn't give anymore. You shouldn't give to that church. That church is just worried about getting all this money. Now, there are corrupt systems, guys, People that, you know, manipulate and make money. Listen, our, our finances are an open record. If you ever want to know where we're spending, I'm tell, I might not tell you dollar amounts, but man, you can always, if you, there's one requirement. If you're going to ask me about finances, I ask that you be a tither in the house. Well, where are you spending all that money, Pastor? Are you giving? Well, no. Well, you don't have a vote. But if you are a giver in the house, you can always ask me, hey, where are we spending our money? What do our finances look like? And by the grace of God, the house is full, guys. There has been zero lack. There has been an abundance. Every time we do a project, there's more money. We're beginning to see God increase, you know. And so I'm hoping you guys just don't say, hey, we're not doing anything with this money. We're giving our tithes. We're committing to tithes. We're committing offerings. And we don't see any upgrades. Not under my watch, guys. We will continue to upgrade, we'll continue to make the building the best we can, but at some point, I want to look outside the four walls and really do do with the resources that God gives us the things that are really spiritually minded, and not just physically comfortable, right? So, I guess I better start tithing if I want an opinion, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. But a lot of people want to take that easy route and say, hey, we're not under the law anymore, so I don't have to give, and they get an easy way out, okay? Romans 6, 14, that's, that's the scripture that everybody uses. It says, because you are not under the law, but you are under grace, you know, and then you say, I don't have to tithe anymore because I'm not under the law anymore, and that's the only scripture you use. You don't like to look at the ones that say, be generous, Right? Everything in the New Testament increased under grace, guys. It never never shrunk back and said, well, under grace, it's going to be reduced. I shared last week talking about, you know, in the Old Testament, what did it say? It says, thou shalt not kill. But in the New Testament, under grace, which we all want to live under grace, right? Because grace is easier. Grace is better. Well, under grace, it says, if you even hate your brother, it's the equivalent of killing him. Well, wait a minute. I was mad at Susie the other day. Does that mean, yeah, it's like you killed her. That's the equivalent, that's how God sees it under grace because grace is now, it's been given in abundance, the Holy Spirit lives in us. It allows us to be more than we've ever been able to be under the law because there's a power at work in us that changes everything. But God knew that if there was a, a renewed power under grace that the expectation would have to grow also. So Pastor Noah, are you asking me to give more? I'm not necessarily asking you to give more but I think I want you to see the principle at stake. I want you to see the principle that maybe God is asking for more than 10%. Some of you may say, I'd rather stay at the law because I only want to give 10%. I don't want to give more than 10%. You know, so pick a side and let's go with it, guys. So we got to be reminded that tithing was never intended to be thrown out with the law. It's never part of God's plan. You know, so like I said, the tithe is defined as a tenth of all of your increase. You know, uh, The other thing is you can't give an offering until you have given the tithe. Hear people say that all the time. Well, I don't tithe, but I give. Well, how much did you give? And I'm not doing it to like invade your space of asking how much, but most of the time when I see people give offerings, it is way less than the tenth. But they are justifying it because I'm giving generously. But are you giving enough? Now, this is my own understanding of the 10%. Why did he pick 10%? I don't know, but this is Noe Kano's personal opinion of it. 10% is just enough that it costs you something, but not so much that it'll bankrupt you. It won't. You know, I mean, if you cannot, and this is something God's showing us, if you can't live without the 10%, then your 90% is all messed up. And we're going to talk about that next week, some things that we can align in our lives to make us more financially well, well, well out. Okay? But that's the issue. You know, man, if I can't give 10%, well, I better get the 90 in order because 10% should not make or break it. I know some of you make truck payments more than 10%. That's your own problem. Were you supposed to buy the truck, guys? I love you, man, but I mean, I think you have to evaluate the values of what are we doing, you know? Is God leading you, you know, to do certain things, to 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 sign up for certain mortgage payments or you know, a boat or whatever the luxury things are, guys. Most of the times we dig our own grave into those things. Now, I'm not saying don't have fun and don't live free and don't live blessed. But I'm saying make sure God has given you godly wisdom in when we purchase things. Okay? But you can't, you can't give an offering until you've reached your tithe. Okay, so the offering, an offering is anything above your tithe. So the tithe, it talks about the first fruit of your increase. Okay, so this is one thing that, oh man, I'm going to see if this mic's going to go crazy if I come down here. Um, all right, so let's say I get paid $10, okay? So I get paid one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10. So I started working, let's say, you know, every, every couple days I get a dollar, you know. This is all I have to live on, but I get $10 a month. What is 10%, guys? $1. So what, what that tithe principle is saying is saying, this right here is God's. Some of you get mad about this one, and you're not appreciative of the nine. But then one thing that God has been challenging me about is when I give my tithe. It says the first fruits, it says right out of the gate. So I don't know, this is going to be a little bit different for each of you because when you get paid, some get paid first, 15, some get paid once a month, but God's going to have to give you wisdom in how to and when to do it because what I want to do, this is the first fruit, but let me tell you this morning, there's something different about this dollar and this dollar that I got at the end of the month when I figured out that everything else was paid for and then, man, thank God I can play my tie this month. There is something about that. And it's not just saying, well, you know, let me go somewhere here in the middle. And that's one thing that God has been been showing me says, write your check when you get it before you deposit the check, pull it out and bring it to the house. Because let me tell you something. If we give God what is his first, it has the potential to redeem all the rest. So when I talk about redeeming, this means that it is securing all this. It means that now this $1 feels like $2, now this $2 feels like $10, now this $10 feels like $100, and all I started was with $10, and I can't understand why this principle is happening. But because I gave God what was first, it it caused everything else to be blessed. And $10 doesn't make sense anymore because like, man, I only had $10, and I've already spent how much, and I don't understand how this is working. But I have a supernatural principle by the word of God that is acting in my life. So in that same passage, it talks about the devourer, okay? So when I give God what is his first, that also says that it removes the devourer. So do you guys know what the devourer does? He devours, right? But in the principle, like, you you, you know, you don't give this to God. He said, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Everything's good. And then your fridge goes out. And you're like, I think I'm going to make it, man. I'm only, I'm halfway through the month, man. But I didn't give God was his, but Lord, I don't have enough to give. I can't do it, Lord. And all of a sudden the alternator goes out and you need your car in the shop. And now you're down to this and you're like, man, I'm looking, I'm looking at the math. There's not enough. Will I even be able to tithe? You get to the end and then your stove goes out and you get to the end and say, Lord, I don't know how there is enough in the house. But if you would have just had all of it blessed, you would have had enough. Because now, you're, now, now you're, you're doing without all of this right here that the devourer stole from you. You didn't tithe, so the rest is not blessed, and you're all frustrated. I don't understand why it's not stretching out like it's supposed to, but we're not supporting a biblical tithe. We're not giving God what's his, and he's not providing the provision for the rest. So we're like, man, i have never... Is this the first time some of you heard this, or you guys have heard this? And I'm just super excited about it, and you guys are just like, okay. Man, I'm telling you, this is, this is a kingdom principle that will radically shake your life. It'll change everything. I know there was times in my life, I remember when we first had Samuel, I was working at Tractor Supply. Hey, how many of you know Tractor Supply don't pay like STP or some other places? I wasn't a manager, I wasn't an associate manager, I was an employee working for minimum wage, but we still gave. I don't know how the heck we made it through those years. But we never did without. Did we tithe during the hard times? Absolutely. But let me tell you something. It's, 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 I guess when you make less, you're more dependent on the blessing because when you make more, you think you can handle it yourself. Oh, I got plenty in the storehouse of what I've built, of what I've made. Well, I'll tell you what, that devour can get so big that even the wealthy can, can become bankrupt if you're not careful. So the first offering, giving that tithe that always has the power to redeem the rest. It says that he'll prevent the, the, the pest. He'll cause that fruit not to cast its fruit early. Man, you will get, your vehicles will last. Your, your appliances will last. I'm thinking of all what are these things that we all have. Your plumbing won't break in the wintertime. Like all, I mean, all of these things that we take for granted, but man, when they stack up, and the enemy starts tearing those up because we are under a curse. Now, I got everybody's attention. So does that mean that, you know, if my finances are under curse, I'm cursed as a person? Absolutely not. We have to understand that this principle just applies financially. Okay? You're like, I don't understand. Let me give you one more example. How many of you guys know that the Bible says by his stripes were healed you know that you know he's he's healed us you know we shouldn't have sickness in our bodies you know he's cast out all this infirmity how many of y'all have been sick since you've heard about that passage every single one of us right well let me tell you there's a difference between getting sick and being under the curse of sickness you got to understand it's the same principle Even though I'm tithing, even though I'm being faithful with my tithes and offerings, I can still fall under a hard time, but I would rather fall under a hard time than fall under the curse. You guys got to know that is the principle that's at stake. It's not that you're going to have hard times, man. You got to build a savings account. Something's going to break. Stuff is made in China and not made to last forever anymore. I promise. I think they make it right under the warranty, baby. You got seven, seven year warranty. It's going to go out in five or six. They got it down to a mad science. Bad things are going to happen. There are going to be financial difficulties. But what I am talking about, guys, is removing the curse principle from the equation. Not just the byproduct of living in a fallen world. Right? But when I'm a giver in the house, I can say, God, I rebuke that devourer. I command these things to have long life. I, I believe for the increase and we can trust God in all of those things. But I want to give God what's His, and I want to make sure I want to give it to God first. I don't want to pay my electric bill. I don't want to pay my phone bill. I don't want to pay my car payment. I don't want to buy all these things I've been waiting to buy. I want to give God what is His first. Maybe a little bit more con- inconvenient. Uh, you know, I joked around a little bit last week about our having our text to tithe, our online giving, our, uh, you know, our mobile apps. You can pay it, but you don't have to just do it on a Sunday. Right before you deposit that check, you can do the math, say, hey, man, I, my tithe is this much, you can send it, and you can deposit that check at the same time. It turns out to be where we are without excuse. But don't let it be that I don't tithe because I'm lazy. That's a whole nother character issue, guys. I want to talk about that one this morning. And most of the time, we don't do it because we don't want to do it. We always have to see the tithe as God's already, something that is set apart. Just like this dollar bill I gave you guys this morning when you guys came in. It wasn't yours. You didn't work for it. Now, our other money, we work for it, right? But God gives us the ability to work. He gives us the strength to work, right? You're like, well, God didn't earn that. It's <laughs> keeping your heart beating, isn't he? He is equipping you to allow to provide increase for your family and provision, Got to make sure we have our things in order and we give God what's His. When we give God to God first, it really reflects our priorities, not our selfish needs or wants. You know, our finances tend to point to what is important. You know, uh, if, if you don't know what your priorities are, look at your, look at your bank statement. Look at your account. Where are you spending all your money? Is it helping people? Is it giving uh, just generally giving. I'm not talking just about to the church. Are we are we generous people? Because to me, guys, that's the heart behind all of it. If you are not generous, it is always going to be difficult for you to tithe. Can't do it. Oh, you come up here. I'm writing this check. Pastor he said I had to because I wanted to be blessed and Bah humbug. Come on, man. God's going to have to do a, a work in your heart, man. You know, like ask God to deal with your heart before you even write the check, so that giving will be easy, guys. I've given things that have been costly. I've had to trust God. You know, we have to see, guys, all of our finances as as, as, uh, a provision from God. Tell you guys a quick story. A long time ago, my wife and I were in Dallas, and uh, I think I was a youth pastor helping with worship. She was doing children's ministry, and somebody gave us a love offering. And in that area, you don't see love offerings, so, man, we're super excited. But like I said, man, our needs have always been met, guys. There wasn't like, oh, no, thank God we got that. Thousand. We really didn't have anything that we needed. Like, so for whatever reason, we didn't spend it. We kept it in the account, okay? And we just, we were praying about it. We were trying to be spiritual, like, you know, not just young, like, hey, let's go do all the dumb stuff we never get to do, right? You know, with bare bones budget. And we just kept it. We kept it in the account. Well, three months later, God asked us to give to, a, to an individual, Well, guess how much it was? The exact amount that we held for three months. And God taught me a big lesson about stewardship. All the money that he gives you sometimes is not just designated just for you. But let me tell you what, if I'd have spent all that money and then I would have had to come up with the check, guess what? Lord, I'm under a curse. What are you doing to me? He taught me a real strong lesson about stewardship. That everything I have is God's but we think, hey, I made it, I worked for it, I did the overtime, I worked the holiday, I can do what I want with that. I would caution you and say, God, when you receive those checks, say, God, how do I use this to the full extent of what you want me to use it for? Because God is not just concerned about the tithe, he cares about your personal finances also. We'll look a little bit on that next week, okay? So he made it 10% because it's just enough that It's costly, but it's not so much that it bankrupts you, okay? So here's a few statistics about tithers, okay? I don't know if you guys realize this or not. I'm just going to share a few facts just so you guys are aware. So it says that that, that tithers, they're 40% less likely to owe significant debt. It's a good thing, 40% less likely. It says eight out of 10 people who give to churches have zero credit card debt. And some of y'all might say, amen to that, I need that zero credit card debt, especially going into the holidays, right? But tithers, they have less debt overall, okay? Now, this is one that's a little staggering. I don't have a clue what the heck our percentage is, but tithers only make up 10 to 25% of the congregation. Ooh. 10 to 25% of the congregation are the ones that give. Now, I am still amazed at those who give and what God can do with that. Now, like I said, I haven't sitting there, like I said, I don't get that involved, but it's like, okay, hey, do you tie? you, I mean, we're not going to go there, but that is, that is the, the average as a whole when we look at tithers, Christians, people that give, only 10 to 25% of the, of the congregation gives. So check this one out. People making 20000 a year are eight times more likely to give than someone making an annual income of more than $75,000 per year. Because what's the what's the lie we always told God? Lord, if I just make more money, I'll give more, Lord. <laughs> Lord, just help me get a raise. <laughs> and I'll give you to you, Lord. But it says that those who only make twenty thousand dollars a year give more than those that make seventy five thousand dollars or more per year. It's kind of humbling, isn't it? That could be a whole message right there talking about that. You know, do we do they go more into debt? Do they not give? What's what's the deal with that? So religious giving as a whole has fallen 50% since 1990. That's a lot. Okay? On average, Christians give 2.5 of their income to churches. 2.5 is a little shy of 10%, guys. So understand, but this is the average. This is not individually. I'm not saying, oh, I looked at your records, guys. You're only giving 2.5. But on average, so what that means, collectively, as all the Christians, as all the tithers, we are not giving the expected amount. We are all falling short, okay, of the biblical expectations. So check this one out. This is the last one I'm going to share. So it says 247 million U.S. citizens identify as Christians, but only 1.5 million tithe. 247 million Christians, only 1.5 million of those tithe a couple hundred off, right? People just don't give guys. And, and like, don't, don't hear me that I'm pointing the finger at you guys. I'm just saying across the board, you know, man, I've been at pastor meetings and they're like, well, I don't know how tithing's going. I don't know the, you know, for these generations to come, you know, if we're just going to have to all be bivocational, or well, if we're going to have to work alongside, so in Jesus name, not in my church. I didn't say that to him, but that's what I'm thinking. I was like, I "I don't know what y'all are doing, but I said, I'm going to preach biblical principles that allows the storehouse to be full, for people to be blessed, for us to take care of our finances, to live debt-free and stay debt-free. That's my heart, guys. As the pastor of this church, I never want us to go into debt ever again. We pay cash for what we do, and we've done that up to this point. Pastor, you paid cash for everything we see? Absolutely. So some of you don't know, we got a new stage. We have brand new speakers in the room. Some of you might've been getting rocked a little bit more than usual. We're gonna work on that. We're gonna to try to hone it in a little bit, figure out how to, how to find that balance. But, but God is providing provision for the house, guys. And everybody benefits. You know, one of the biggest challenges, like I said, and I started with this was, do I talk about it? Do I not talk about finances? Do I not talk about giving? Or do I just hope for it to get better? I feel like those pastors, when we were in that room, there was just a hope that it would get better, but yet not addressing the issue and not dealing with the root issue. I'll tell you what, guys, if we get our homes in order and we get our personal finances in order, the church can't help but benefit from all of that. Now, that's not the motive. I'm telling you, if your personal finances are in line, it's easier to give the tithe. So this next week, guys, we're going to really look at some personal finance goals to really help you maybe uh, establish some things, building a budget, get, getting your personal finances in order. Because one thing I asked God a long time ago, I said, God, why is it so, such a struggle, not for all, but for most people to tithe, it's just, I mean, I hear it over and over again, man, I just can't, I can't cut it this week or, hey, I'm going to give some. And, you know, we try to encourage you to say, hey, we'll just give what you can, but it's still falling below the standard. So how do we get to the standard? And God really showed me, he says, he says, no, it has nothing to do with the 10% and has everything to do with the 90%. If your 90% is in order and you're managing it well, it is always a privilege and it is easy to give the 10 It has been a very, very long time where I have struggled to give a 10%. But I manage the heck out of my 90%. Where are we spending it? You know, my wife goes shopping, too much shopping. I see a whole bunch of entries on it. Hey, whoa, what are we doing here, baby? And she says, shaking together, running over. We'll be poured into your lap. (laughs) Because she sees the saving account too, so she knows we got money in there. But guys, we got to be smart in what we do, but we also have to be obedient with what God demands. And that's what I want to leave us with this morning. you got to stand up with me. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas, 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.